The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 68. Hi, this is Dan Miller from 48days.com, and you're listening to my good friend Jeff Brown on the Read to Lead Podcast. Your level of success in life will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello once again and welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We sit down each week with a successful and inspiring author and we talk about his or her latest book and their unique insights on areas like leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. We began the year with Seth Godin, moved to Dan Miller last week, and this time it is Hal Elrod, number one best-selling author of the book, The Miracle Morning, the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. And in today's episode, I'll ask Hal about the two life-altering events that completely changed the course of his life, the simple things you can do in the morning that will completely transform your day, how to live up to your potential and surround yourself with others doing the same, and a lot more. Today's show is sponsored by Blinkist and Lynda.com. Blinkist serves up inside their free app 15-minute written business book summaries and now audio summaries as well. You can try the app free for three days, then check out their plus and premium subscriptions just by going to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And the new year is a great time to kick off learning with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. It's used by millions of people around the world. They've got over 3,000 courses there. You get access to the entire site for 10 days absolutely free when you visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash lynda. That's lynda with a Y, L-Y-N-D-A. Before we bring on Hal, I just wanted to share that there has been a lot that has happened with the show in the last week and a half. You can now find the Read to Lead podcast as part of the Book Lovers Curated List in iTunes. In fact, it's a featured iTunes Essentials podcast now. We've also been featured twice in the last week on the front page of the Stitcher app, both for the Dan Miller episode and our recent Kate Erickson episode. That means the podcast is really starting to gain some major traction, none of which would be possible without you. So thank you very, very much for that. And be sure and stick around till the end of the show to find out how you can nominate the Read to Lead podcast in this year's podcast awards happening at New Media Expo later this year in Las Vegas. Hal Elrod is a number one best-selling author, international keynote speaker, Hall of Fame business achiever, one of America's top success coaches, national champion sales manager, record-breaking sales rep, ultra-marathon runner, that's the 52-mile variety, and grateful husband and proud father. He has appeared on dozens of TV and radio shows across the country, podcasts too, of course. He's been featured in numerous books. His latest book, and the one we'll be focusing on today, is called The Miracle Morning, the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. How welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. 
Jeff, I'm excited for this. And by the way, if, if, if you don't hear this enough, you have like the best radio voice ever. So uh, I just I just wanted to point that out. I'm, I'm jealous. Well, I know you have a radio background. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I do. I, was, I started my first first radio show at, at 15. I hosted a radio show when I was 15. And then uh, again, as a DJ at 19. And uh, and then kind of kind of that was it. I, I gave it up at that point. Excellent. Well, I spent 26 years in that in that profession, and then went right from that to podcasting. So I've my entire life I've been behind a microphone. It seems. <laughs> well, in the last few weeks, Hal, I, I'm not exaggerating uh, to say that I think I've lost count at the number of times I've had somebody mention your name to me. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I think the first several times I wasn't I wasn't quite putting it together. They would say Hal Elrod, and I would like that name is familiar. Where have I heard that? It was like from five other people you know, the week before. I even have a, a couple of, of podcast clients. I do some podcast coaching who have interviewed you for their shows. And, and one of them, uh, I'm sure you know, Jason Bay said that uh, sure. you, know, you would be perfect for this show. So why are all these people bugging me about you? What's the deal? <laughs> Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I, I think that it, it all stems around the Miracle Morning. Um, you know, two years ago when I wrote that book, I, I you know, there's part of me that thought uh, I had a big vision like this could change the world. If, if I can write the book that changes the way people wake up every single day where they rather than, you know, hitting the snooze button, starting their day with procrastination, mm-hmm. get if I can if I can get people and inspire them, empower them to start their day by really developing themselves physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually to be at a level 10 when they start the day uh, so that you can go out and win every day and create that extraordinary life that we all want. I thought that's, you know, that, that would be the biggest vision. But I think there's always, a, you know, there's always self-doubt and, and insecurity and fear that comes up for us. And I, I didn't really know if people would resonate with the book or if they'd be like, yeah, I'm not a morning person. This isn't going to work for me. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that the reason these people are talking about me, it's not me, it's, it's the miracle morning. It's, um, I just, I, I, I don't know, I cracked the code, if you will, on writing this book that has, I mean, tens of them, we're probably actually well over a hundred thousand people now that, that, wow. you know, went from either I was not a morning person when I read the book or I was a morning person, but man, this turbocharged my morning and people are seeing just extraordinary results in their personal, uh, and their professional lives. Well, I'm no stranger to, to getting up early, having done morning radio for a number of years and having the alarm clock go off at three, but that was because I had to. Uh, and uh, since I've been working for myself the last 19 or 20 months, I've allowed myself to sort of uh, get away from being more intentional about how I, I spend my mornings. And reading your book has convicted me of that. I'm being completely honest here. And for uh, the last several days, I have I have made a deliberate change and, and sort of gradually backing into, you know, a couple of days ago, the alarm went off at seven. Today, it went off at six. Tomorrow, it's going to go off at five. And and that's going to become the, the, the go-to time again for me and really being purposeful about how that first hour especially uh, is spent. So thank wow. you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. Well, for anybody who is, is like I was and, and unfamiliar with, with, with you and your story, how share a bit, if you would, about the two major life-altering events you experienced last decade that, that led you down this path that you're on now. Yeah, I, I call these my rock bottoms. And I think that we, we've all had rock bottoms in our lives and they're relative to where we're at in our life at any given time. You know, when I was in seventh grade, I probably had, you know, it's probably a rock bottom when my girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't want to get out of bed. Life was over. I didn't want to face the world. Right. 
Uh, and again, it's, it's all relative. But but for me, the two major rock bottoms I had were uh, one was when I was 20 years old. I had been selling uh, Cutco cutlery for the last year and a half, and I had broken you know numerous records for the company and become one of their top sales reps. And one night after I gave a speech at a, at a Cutco conference, uh, I got my first standing ovation. So it was kind of this night where I was really on this emotional high. Mm. It was really this, you know, wow, I can't believe I got a standing ovation. And that was the time in my life where I really was starting to think about becoming a, you know, what would be called a motivational speaker, you know, now I'm known as a keynote speaker. Um, and driving home that night after the uh, speech, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour, uh, actually maybe 80 miles an hour. I don't mm. know the exact mile per hour, but, but I was hit head on by a drunk driver. Uh, my car was sent spinning into oncoming traffic, and the worst was yet to come when uh, the car behind me didn't have time to even swerve or hit their brakes. They just crashed into my door at 70 mm. miles per hour and completely crushed the left side of my body. Uh, I broke 11 bones, uh, and I bled to death on the side of the freeway, and I was dead for approximately six minutes in a coma for six days, and when I came out of the coma, uh, doctors said I would, you know, probably never walk again, and I had permanent brain damage. And uh, as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, you know, I did go run an ultra marathon. Mm. Uh, one, you know, it was obviously at first it was learning to walk again, mm. but eventually when I could walk again and I could then start to, you know, exercise and run, I thought, man, what would be like the ultimate kind of defiance of of you know the odds of I was told I would never walk again. What could I do from there? And uh, and I hated running, so I thought, man, it would really cause me to grow as a person if I ran an ultra marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. It was one and done, by the way. That's why I always I always correct people when they say, "So you're an ultra marathon runner?" I say, "Nah, that that alludes to the fact that I would have run more." than one, but uh, it was kind of a, a bucket list item, if you will. I've heard you say that the the sort of a second event, the the, the crash, 2007, 2008, that, that impacted your life greatly was tougher than the car crash. How, how do you explain that? Yeah, yeah. You, the economic crash uh, in 2007, 8, 9, right around the time was was my second rock bottom. And that was, was actually, you know, it's funny, when I speak or when I do like TV interviews, I'll always say I've had two rock bottoms and I, you know, I tell them about the car accident and they go, oh my gosh, you died, wow. And then I tell people, you know, the second rock bottom was actually a lot worse than the first. And I always get funny looks like, <laughs> well, wait a minute, you, you died. Well, like, what, where's, what, what, you know, and then they get real curious. Well, what's worse than that? <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it's really true. It was when the U.S. economy crashed, um, I, I, you know, at the time I had just launched uh, three, kind of three new careers. Uh, I had, and then I had been building them for about a year and a half. So I had a coaching business, one-on-one success coaching, sales coaching, business coaching. Um, I had launched my speaking career, and I had written my first book, uh, Taking Life Head-On, How to Love the Life You Have While You Create the Life of Your Dreams. And so those three things were going really well. I had just bought my first brand new house. I had bought my dream car. Uh, I, was, I was just, things were great. And as many Americans can relate, uh, probably people around the world, but the U.S. economy crashed, and it, it felt like it happened really fast. Mm. You know, it's like you started to get bad news, and then they're forecasting things might go, you know, and then, but, but all of us optimists, we're going, ah, it'll, it'll turn around, right? <laughs> and uh, I always say there's a fine line between optimism and delusion. <laughs> but the, so for me, I lost everything overnight, you know, lost the business, lost, when I say everything, I mean, monetarily speaking. And it was this real, I mean, I felt like I was at my rock bottom and I was using all of my, you know, mental and emotional intelligence and my skills going, okay, I accept it. You know, I, I'm going to deal with it. But it just kept getting worse. 
and worse and worse. And I was spiraling downward, living off credit cards, losing, you know, my credit was going down the tubes. I couldn't pay my mortgage. And as a result of so much fear and uncertainty, I got deeply depressed for the, really the first time in my life. And to keep a, you know, long story short, I went on a run and I heard a quote from Jim Rohn that became the catalyst that changed my entire life faster than I ever thought was possible. It, it also became the catalyst for, you know, for what is now the Miracle Morning. But the quote from Jim Rohn, he said, your level of success in life will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Mm. And he went on to say, because success is something you attract by the person you become. And in that moment, I realized I'm not dedicating time every day to my personal development. Therefore, I'm not becoming the person that I need to be that can sustain, you know, level, what I call level 10 success, right? On a scale of one to 10, we want level 10 health, relationships, happiness, spirituality, you know, finances, you name it. And if we're at a level two or three or four or five in any area of our life, that's the level that our outer world is going to show up for us and reflect our inner world. And I ran home with this distinction that I've got to dedicate time every day to my personal development. Two challenges. Number one is, well, what am I going to do? Because, uh, you know, I've I've read books before. I've I've dabbled in, you know, journaling or meditation. And I was trying to figure out what am I going to do every day for this personal development? And I ended up deciding I'm going to do the, the six most powerful personal development practices known to man. I'm going to do all six of them because I'm at such a low point right now. I want to do, I don't want to, you know, think, well, maybe this is more effective than this. So I'll do this or this. I thought I'm just going to do all of them and I'm going to see how fast I can turn my life around. And the the next challenge was, well, when am I going to find an extra hour in my day? You know, I'm, I'm already, I wake up at 6 a.m. because I, as you said, Jeff, I have to. Mm-hmm. I have to be up at 6 for work. You know, and I was self-employed, but that was my schedule. And then I would work until I was exhausted, and I would watch an hour of TV and go to bed. That was my routine. And I decided I got to wake up an hour early. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed crazy. 5 a.m., are you serious? But I did it the next morning. I went through these six practices, which are now known as the Lifesavers, which is an acronym, and we can go into that in a minute. But uh, the... But I went through these six practices, and here's this was the most, it was the, the turning point in my life because at 6 a.m., that first day, very first day, it wasn't called the Miracle Morning, it was just my morning personal development. But at 6 a.m., one hour of this, I felt on I felt back to my old self. I felt I didn't feel depressed. I felt confident and energized and inspired and motivated and like I could do anything. And I thought, wow, if I start every day like this, holy cow, there is nothing that can stop me from turning, you know, getting to the next level and beyond. And I just didn't know how fast it would happen. It was less than two months later. My depression was gone. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically to committing to do that ultra marathon. And maybe most importantly, my finances, which had been in the tubes, I more than doubled my income in less than two months. And that's when I started calling it my miracle morning and, you know, and sharing it with my coaching clients and, Mm. and kind of beginning on that new path. Well, what do you say how to that person listening right now uh, who says, well, yeah, but I'm not a morning person. What's your response to that? I would say go read the reviews on Amazon for the book mm. and probably every other one, uh, you know, maybe even 70 percent say I was I've never in my entire life been a morning person. And now <laughs> after reading this book, I wake up every day easily at you know 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever. And, you know, it's funny. I think that the, probably the shortest chapter in the book, it's called the five steps news proof wake up strategy. Uh, and it is essentially it's it's like it's like four pages or something. And it's this really simple five step strategy on 
How do you make waking up in the morning easier than it's ever been before, even if you've never been a morning person? And it's funny, but that was actually a blog post that I wrote, you know, a year or two before the book. And it almost didn't make it in the book. But now that it did, (laughs) it's arguably the most important chapter because I've had CEOs tell me how that that little chapter, that little five-step snooze-proof strategy, which is it's so simple. It's designed to do it while you're half asleep. That's the whole point is that you do it while you're half asleep. So that when you're done with it, it only takes a few minutes, but now you're awake by the end of it. That's the whole point. And again, I can't tell you how many people Jeff have said I wasn't a morning person and until I did that little five, those five steps. And now I get up easy every morning. So I'm going to test my memory here, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, that includes things like moving the alarm clock across the room, brushing your teeth, uh, hydrating, uh, washing your face. Am I on the right track here? Yeah, yeah, those are a few of the steps. Probably, you know, maybe the two of the most important. The most important is, well, it's moving the alarm clock across the room. <laughs> um, I had, yeah, again, the CEO of the company Lawline introduced me at a speech I gave to a, a group of CEOs, and he actually said, I don't know if Hal's going to teach you this today in his speech, but uh, man, I moved my alarm clock across the room after reading The Miracle Morning. He said, and it has been a game changer. He goes, if it wasn't for that, I'd be reaching over and hitting the snooze button on my nightstand every single night. You know, so yeah, that's one, you know, one example. The other one is, when you go to sleep and you sleep for six or seven hours or eight hours, um, you, by default, you wake up mildly dehydrated. And, and it depends on how long it was before you drank water, before you went to bed, that you might be really dehydrated. Mm-hmm. But, but, but by default, we're all dehydrated when we wake up. And most people in the morning, they start with coffee, which is a diuretic, which makes it worse, right? right. Then you just crash a little bit later. So the idea is, yeah, you wake up and you first thing you do is you down a full glass of water to, to you know to, to rehydrate yourself and that that helps cure that morning fatigue and give you energy to sustain the morning. Well, it was it was fascinating uh, to me to read the Social Security Administration stat you talk about that essentially says you know about ninety five percent of us settle for far less than than we want in life. Yeah, is it true that monetarily speaking, I mean the the the, the reverse of that or the inverse of that is only about five percent of us will be successful in creating a life of, of freedom. Well, yeah, based, I mean, you know, in the book, I list the statistic, right, which comes, you know, it's not my opinion, it's from the Social Security Administration, and it's basically based on at the end of people, you know, people really at retirement age, what percentage of people are uh, dependent on Social Security, what dependent are, are, are completely broke, what, what, you know, who's dependent on family, on and on, and it's only about 5% of people that are financially, you know, independent and free. And I think if you look at it in a, just in a general perspective, whether it's 95%, If you look at the average, if you go, you know, look at the average person or the average 10 people or average 100 people go, how many of them are living the most extraordinary life that they truly want, that they can imagine, right? It's very, it's very, you know, it's very few people, you know, it's like everyone, you know, would love to be a millionaire. How many millionaires do you know? Right. (laughs) You know, and I mean, it's simply that way. And it's really sad that, you know, Robin Sharma said this, that one of the saddest things in life is to get to the end of your life and realize you could have been done and had so much more. And what, what I, I love that quote because it's a wake-up call, but it's also, I, I think that it lacks urgency, right? Meaning mm-hmm. it's like you know, the saddest thing in life is to wake up one day. Well, yeah, I got time. <laughs> yeah, I got time <laughs> you know, for before one day shows up. I think mm-hmm. that you've got to take that with, with a sense of urgency and go, you know what? The saddest thing in life is it's not about waking up one day. It's about waking up every single day of your life 
realizing that you could have, be, and do anything you want, and then not living in alignment with that truth. I think that's the saddest thing in life, and it's about every single day, not one day in the future. Hmm. Well, House says one of the keys to joining the the five percent or whatever percentage that that is is to identify the causes of mediocrity. I was wondering how if you could talk a bit about uh, one thing you describe in the book that you call rearview mirror syndrome. Yeah, you know, in life we all and it's it's really a metaphor, but we all have what I what I call it, you know, a rearview mirror that is stuck in our in our subconscious mind, and it tends to show up. Every given moment, we're faced with a choice. Mm. So whether it's the alarm clock goes off in the morning and subconsciously we check the review mirror and we go, hmm, what do I usually do when the alarm clock goes off in the morning? <laughs> and we do the same thing. Whenever we're faced with any opportunity or any challenge, we tend to check the review mirror and we go, who am I, right? Who am I? Based Not based on who we could become, but based on who we've been in the past. Mm. And we limit ourselves based on that. I think that if you meet anybody who's really living living the extraordinary life that we all want, anyone that's really successful, that's happy, at some point they had to be willing to turn that rearview mirror kind of up, you know, up to the sky, right up to the ceiling, and be willing to see themselves not based on who they were, but based on who they can become. So not 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 living from your past, but living into your potential. And so that's what it's about. It's I think that, you know, rearview mirror syndrome, we all suffer from it. I suffer from it every day. You know, I, we're, I'm always checking that rearview mirror. I'm always, you know, having to break free from the identity of my past that traps most of us in that mediocrity, that lifetime of mediocrity. We've got to be willing to see ourselves as better than we've ever been uh, before. Uh, the Jim Rohn quote you shared a minute ago uh, really resonates with me because it, it's one of the reasons this podcast exists is because I'm so, uh, I feel personal development is so important. Uh, and another Jim Rohn quote that is, that is one of my favorites is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I know you are a big believer in surrounding yourself with the right people. I've mentioned on the podcast before that I'm involved in a number of of groups that we call them mastermind groups that are intentional about getting together and they they include people of uh, with, with similar goals and ambitions and we encourage and challenge each other along the way and I've had an accountability partner uh, uh, for about fifteen years as well the same guy that I meet with wow. almost every single week how important uh, is in your opinion surrounding yourself with the right people obviously you feel it is important but in, in the hierarchy of things how important is that one. I mean, it's it's it, it's arguably the most important. It, it, and in here, you know, here's why. It's like you said, Jim Rohn's quote: "You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with." And, and let me kind of break down a real practical example of why that is. You know, if if, if you if if the five people you spend most time with are alcoholics, you're probably going to be the sixth, right? Right. If if they're millionaires, even if you don't start as a millionaire, they're gonna the way that they think. And the way that they live their lives and the choices that they make and the knowledge that they share with you, it's going to influence you to move in that direction. And so this is one of the things, it's probably one of the biggest causes of mediocrity. Rearview mirror syndrome is one, which we talked about. Um, the, you know, the, uh, the mediocre circle of influence is the other, or it's, it's one of the others. And um, that's, it's probably the one that people pay the least attention to. Mm. They just hang out with who they hang out with. Uh, and, you know, and often that's just because it's who I met five years ago. <laughs> Why are your friends your friends? It's because it's who I met along the way. Well, it's, are, are they? But I think we have to be relentless about, hey, are the people in my life contributing to me becoming the best version 
of myself? Are they contributing to me living the most, you know, the life that I really want? Are they themselves living in alignment with my vision for what the type of life I want and the people I want to be around? And we've got to actively and again, relentlessly identify the types of people, the specific people that we need to surround ourselves with, and we've got to pursue those relationships. You've got to find the people that you want to be in your inner circle, and this is the hardest part. You've got to limit the amount of time and energy that you that you spend with the people that are not go that are not helping you become and, and go where you want to go in your life. Yeah, that, that's where maybe some some tough decisions uh, have to be made. It's not about being elitist, though. Here's the here's the deal. I really believe that every single one of us has a responsibility to live to our full potential because how we live our lives gives everyone around us permission to do the same. Exactly. And that's our friends, our family, our loved ones. So if we accept less than our best, we are simply showing everyone around us that, hey, it's okay to accept less than your best, right? If we if we go out and eat unhealthy food or bring in healthy food into our homes, we're showing everyone around us, hey, it's okay to eat this way. And then they feel like, hey, well, you're, you're eating horrible food. Well, it tastes great. I'll do it too. <laughs> so I think that's a huge responsibility. And, and yeah, the point is this, is that seeking out people, yeah, you, like you said, not about being an elitist. It's about you cannot live to your full potential if you are not surrounding yourself with people that are striving to live to their full potential. So you owe it not only to yourself, but to every person that you ever meet or care about to surround yourself with the people that are going to bring out the best in you. You uh, hinted at this a moment ago, and I want to make sure we hit on this. Share some of the details behind the six practices uh, called uh, lifesavers. Yeah, you know, I, I owe this to my wife. The, the six practices, and I'll run through them real quickly, and then I'll bring them into the lifesavers. It was originally meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. Those were the six practices that I, that very first day, I spent about an hour online kind of researching the, you know, what do successful people do? What are the habits of successful people? What are the best personal development practices? And at first, Jeff, I almost dismissed it because I had heard of all of those. In fact, you might go, you know, none of those are new. And that was that, you know, it's it's weird. Our society is conditioned for new, right? We want like, what's the app that'll change my life and (laughs) give me a six pack abs, right? (laughs) Like what's the fastest way to do it? So I'm like, I've heard of all of these. I'm looking for, I was looking for something cutting edge. And then right as I was about to just, you know, close my computer and throw in the idea, I went, wait a minute. Some of the world's most successful people swear by any one of these, right? Ray Dalio, the founder of uh, and operator of one of the largest hedge funds, he's a billionaire, largest hedge fund in the world. Um, you know, he says that meditation is the, was the single biggest factor to his success. Russell Simmons, founder of Def Jam Records, and uh, I think it's either Fat Farm or Fubu Clothing, um, he said the same thing, right? Medit- he wrote a book called Success Through Stillness, all the meditation, right? Jim Carrey said visualization was the key to his first ten million dollar paycheck. Will Smith said affirmations were the key to, uh, you know, to his, his success, the way that he talked to himself and the affirmations that he wrote down and that he read every day to shape his mindset. Mm. Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, she, I mean, visualization, obviously she was a huge believer and supporter in that. So on and on and on. And I realized, wait a minute, I don't do any of these things consistently. What if I did all of them? And, uh, and then it ultimately was the help of my wife as I was writing the book one day and frustrated and sharing my wife like, sweetheart, I need some sort of like diagram or something to bring all these six practices together. And she goes, why don't you get the thesaurus out and see if you can make them into an acronym? And I was like, oh, sweetheart, you're brilliant, right? And, and it ended up, but here's the, this is the cool part. It ended up, I looked for patterns in the letters, the words. 
save the lifesavers and savers obviously is the acronym meditation was replaced with silence and journaling was replaced with scribing at the front and the back so Mm -hmm. again that's savers but it, it couldn't be a more perfect acronym because these are literally the six practices that are virtually guaranteed to save you from missing out on the life that you are capable and want to live, right? They are the lifesavers. I mean, it mm. couldn't be couldn't be more uh, more appropriate. Well, now to that person who says, "Well, there's there's no way I can find uh, you know the typical hour, which is what I think you recommend in the morning to do all of this." I know you've got a truncated version of this for just that kind of person. Yeah, well, it's it's you know it's a very scalable routine. It, you know, so you could do a sixty-minute miracle morning. You can do a thirty-minute miracle morning, uh, or there is a chapter in the book called the six-minute miracle morning. And you know, it almost sounds like uh, too good to be true. Like, come on, you're not going to even six minutes. But it actually, I didn't create it for the book. I created it for myself. There was just a, you know a lot of days where I'm like, I don't have a full hour today, and I kind of had that all-or-nothing mentality more often than not, and I wouldn't do it at all. And this was early on before the book was even, uh, you know, even started. And, and one day I, you know, I was like, I don't have time today. And I thought, wait a minute, what if I did one minute of each of the savers, like one really focused, present, intentional minute of each of these lifesavers, uh, all six practices, but one minute each. So I, I, I meditated for and prayed for one minute. And it was, you know, it was, it, obviously I couldn't go as deep as I could in 10 minutes or an hour or whatever, but I was like, wow, I feel you know, much more centered and grounded. Then I pulled out my affirmations and I read those over for a minute. And those, you know, my affirmations are designed. I mean, I rewrite my affirmations every day, by the way. They're designed to keep in front of me the most important things that I need to be shaping in my mindset, that I need to be programming into my subconscious, the way I need to think, believe, feel, behave in order to achieve all of my goals. So I read through my affirmations. It really only took a minute. And I was like, wow, boom, that, that refocused <laughs> me. I'm ready to go. I went through all six practices, one minute each. And I was like, holy cow, that was only six minutes. So it was one-tenth of the time that I was used to, but it, it didn't give me one-tenth of the benefit. It, it really it gave me probably 80% of the benefit. Mm. So there's not so many things you could do in one-tenth the time and derive 80% of the benefit, right? Right. So yeah, so the Miracle Morning is very scalable. As as little as six minutes a day uh, could be a half an hour, an hour, etc. Or, or you know, and my, my Miracle Morning really is four hours. Uh, the Lifesavers is only an hour. I wake up at three thirty a.m. every day. I'm a little you know different than most, <laughs> but um, I wake up at three thirty a.m. seven days a week. Uh, I start at four a.m. with the you know first half an hour. I'm drinking water, waking up, making some you know some bulletproof coffee, etc. And then the uh, and then from there I do my Lifesavers over the course of an hour. And then from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., I do kind of reflection and I review my goals and I do planning and strategizing and scheduling around my goals. Uh, and then uh, and then 6 to 7, uh, I will usually write or implement immediately my highest priority task for the day. Hmm. Uh, and then I check emails from 7 to 8 and hang out with family. You know, so, 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 so that's, you know, my miracle morning is, is, is extended. But, uh, but, yeah, that's the answer to your question is that it is completely scalable and you can do it as long or as short as you want it to be. Which is one of the best parts uh, about it, in my opinion. As, as I've begun to, to implement it in my life, that's that's been very helpful to have that flexibility and to be able to customize it to to to, to you. Sure, and there's a whole chapter in the book. You know, it's, it's one of the last chapters. It says customizing the miracle morning to fit your lifestyle and achieve your goals and dreams. 
then you might notice my chapter titles are very long. But, um, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't try to be short and sweet. I just go, hey, here, here's the whole thing about what this is going to cover. But, um, but yeah, so it, it is all about customizing it. And it's customizing it not just in terms of the length of time, but you don't have to do all the lifesavers. You can literally wake up 30 minutes earlier, read for 15 minutes, exercise for 15 minutes, right? Get your heart rate up. You'll think clearer. You'll feel better. You'll, you'll stimulate your mind to, you know, with new knowledge, et cetera. That's a miracle morning. It does. It's not an all or nothing thing, you know. And in the book, I, I really, I really go into, hey, make this your own. As I was looking at your six life savers, it occurred to me that that I've I've built a podcast around one of them, and, and I started thinking, well, gosh, you could actually build a podcast around any of the other five as well if you wanted to. So there, there's an idea for you right there for a for a future upcoming podcast. Yeah, I love it. Well, before I move on to some questions uh, not directly related to the book, Hal, is there anything else from the book you want to uh, make sure we know? I mean, if I were to sum up what you know what the book does, and 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 I've really analyzed why is it because it really has become this word of mouth phenomenon, you know, which is your which is the dream. Like, man, if you can write a book where people just tell everybody about it and they buy it for gifts and all that, I mean, uh, that was my my hope for it, and and it's really become that. And I've really analyzed why is it. And I think this is why um, mo- most books that you read, they, they get you to think differently, you know, and you go, wow, this, you know, wow, I've never thought of these ideas and this and that. And obviously, you know, the, I mean, the Miracle Morning does that too, but probably the biggest difference is most books don't change your behavior and therefore you don't really see results in your life. Right. Whereas the Miracle Morning, if you, if you, like we have this really amazing community on, on Facebook, the Miracle Morning community, and you see people post all the time that, you know, they do, like in the end of the book, there's this 30-day challenge and everybody takes it on and they go, hey, I'm on day 20 of the 30-day challenge. You know, I've lost seven pounds. I've read two books. Uh, my income has increased by, you know, 10%. It's like all these amazing results. And I think that's what makes the book unique is it changes your daily behavior. So the first day that you read the book and you start doing the Miracle Morning, you immediately are like, holy cow. I, you know, I've never woken up with this much energy and clarity and motivation and, you know, and then all of a sudden you, your day is better and your results are better. And, you know, so, yeah, so I think that that's, you know, the only thing, other thing I'd say about the book is that's what makes it different is it gives you not just something to think about, but it immediately gives you something to, to do that will, you know, improve your results in, uh, in, in your, in your, of your life. Well, I know you're a lover of books. Obviously, you do a lot of reading. That's one of the lifesavers, after all. Name for us a couple of books, Hal, that you've read or are currently reading that have impacted you, and, and share if you can, maybe how or, or why they've impacted you as they have. Yeah, one of my favorite books, and it's it's you know, it's it's, uh, it's kind of a cult classic. Actually, both of these are cult classics that I'll share. Um, it's called Vision to Reality. It's by Honoré Corder, Vision to Reality. And Honoré is this extraordinarily successful business person. Um, and, uh, she, and a coach and all this, but she, it's just a unique take on, on goal setting on, you know, on, on exactly what the title says, taking your vision, turning it into reality. I think it's a really neat compliment, uh, to the miracle morning. But a lot of people say that they, you know, they, cause I recommend that book a lot and they've gone, oh yeah, they, they work really well, uh, together. And then another book I'll recommend is called the millionaire fast lane and the millionaire fast lane by MJ DeMarco. Uh, it's probably the best book I've ever read on uh, on what it really takes to to build you know to basically to build a build wealth as fast as possible mm. and it really counteracts a lot of the common you know what's taught by a lot of the so-called financial gurus and it kind of calls them out on their bs and it says hey they didn't build their fortune the way that they're telling you to build your fortune mm. right they're telling you to save you know, a, a small percentage of your paycheck and invest it and hopefully if the stock market and the real estate market don't crash again then 
50 years from now, you'll have some money, right? And he goes, that's not what they did. They, yeah. they made their money selling you that idea. So it's, it's a really neat kind of peek behind the curtain on what it takes to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to build, build wealth and, and build it you know, quicker than uh, you know, by the end of your life. Well, I'm a, I'm a strong believer, Hal, uh, that the ability to effectively share your ideas in public uh, plays a major role in your level of success, too. Uh, what are some of your tips for someone who does a lot of public speaking? What are some of your tips for delivering a meaningful and a memorable public talk? You know, I'll run through this really quickly. This is what I call the context creation formula. And I, I coach, you know, my my one-on-one, you know, high-paying coaching clients. Like, this is the goods that I give them. So, I'm, I'm happy to give this to your audience. And I've, I don't think I've ever shared this. I've never been asked that on a podcast. So, so here's the uh, here's kind of the steps whenever I outline any message. And, and it doesn't matter if it's a, a talk to a group of, you know, a thousand business people, if it's a, a one-on-one conversation. Um, so, Step number one is acknowledge. Acknowledge whoever you're talking to. Hey, thanks for being here. Hey, I appreciate your time. Hey, uh, the fact that you're here shows me that you actually want to improve your life. Acknowledge them in some way and acknowledge them for, for listening to you, right? Make them feel good about their who they are and about their choice to be sitting in front of you listening to your message. Um, number two, enter their world. Enter their world. And uh, enter their world is is before you deliver your talk, ask yourself, what, what, what's on these people's mind? What, what are their dreams and goals? And, but what are their fears? What are the problems they're dealing with? And then take it to even, even more, more fo- uh, immediately focused. Go, at the time of day that I'm speaking, what will be going through their head? If it's right before lunch, you better address that they're hungry, <laughs> right? In fact, here's a little ninja trick. If, I, if I'm speaking right before a meal, I will say, hey, guys, uh, you guys are, you know, lunch is next. I'm sure. Raise your hand if you're hungry. I'm starving. So all of a sudden now you're one of them, mm. right? And they're like, oh, you're oh, cool. The speaker's hungry. So you guys, you know what? I was originally going to talk for 90 minutes, but I, I know you guys are hungry. I'm going to cut it to 60. Is that okay? <laughs> and now you're a hero. Now they love you because you entered their world. You figured out what was on their mind and you found a way to meet them where they were. Um, step three is enroll with an either or question. Enroll your audience with an either or question. So you say, how many of you have ever blank? Raise your hand. Hey, thank you. How many of you, and then you ask the opposite. So I say, I already gave an example earlier. How many of you believe that uh, everything happens for a reason? Mm. Fantastic. How many of you don't really, you're not really sure about that? Raise your hand. So now you've got the entire audience to raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last two, number uh, four is W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? <laughs> Make sure you articulate the benefits that the audience is going to gain by listening to you talk. By the end of the message, what will, how will their life be improved or impacted? And then, uh, and then last but not least is earn the right. Earn the right, meaning you just made a big promise uh, how, your, how your talk, your, your message is going to impact their life. Uh, you, you know, you've got to, you know, you, I would say something like, Hey, that's a big promise to make, but here's why I'm confident that I can make it. You know, in the last year I've spoken to over 40,000 people and uh, I've received uh, hundreds of emails, uh, saying that people were able to do exactly what I just uh, shared that you'd be able to do after the message today. I, I, I sort of chuckled at, at the what's in it for me the, as I coach podcasters. That's one of the things we deal with, too, because as a listener comes to a new podcast, first and foremost in their yeah. mind is what's in this transaction for me. Yeah. Well, exactly. one, one more question for you, and it's an easy one. What is next uh, on the horizon for you? In other words, what are you working on now uh, that you're excited about and that you're able to share about? Uh, well, yeah, the miracle morning is still my mission in life because mm-hmm. there's nothing I've ever put out into the world, no value I've ever given that has ever impacted as many people 
and as profoundly, you know, each individual person as profoundly as the Miracle Morning. So my mission, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, is to change one million lives one morning at a time. And, and I'm really committed to, to aligning everything I do with that. Um, and then uh, and then we just came out with the, the first book in the series, The Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents. And uh, that the, the real estate market or, or real estate agents had just kind of gravitated toward the Miracle Morning. It kind of became a cult classic in that community. So we've got the Miracle Morning for salespeople in the work, the Miracle Morning for teenagers. I mean, you name it. It's, it's kind of going to be the next chicken soup for the soul. But I think what makes it different is instead of just inspiring stories, again, it's every book is going to change people's behavior and give them a chance to, uh, you know, to make uh, improvements that are measurable uh, in their lives. Well, Hal, I for one can say that I am glad that I listened to all those folks that kept bugging me about you <laughs> and having you on the show. Thanks for being here today. We appreciate you taking the time. Jeff, it's been an honor and everyone that listens, thank you for your time. I hope you got some value today and I uh, hope to connect with everybody uh, at some point in the future. Certainly hope you've been inspired by our time with Hal as much as I have. I really am implementing the book into my life. It is causing me to change my habits, and uh, there's not too many books I can say that about, so I highly recommend uh, that you pick it up. You can find a link directly to the book on the show notes page for today's episode, along with links to the other things that Hal and I talked about. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 068 for episode 68. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, podcast awards nominations for New Media Expo in Vegas this year are now open, and you, as a fan of this show, can nominate the podcast. We're asking listeners to consider any or all of the three following categories. People's Choice, Best Produced, and Best Business Podcast. To nominate the podcast right now, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash awards. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash awards. Please remember to visit our sponsors, both Blinkist and Linda. You can find out more about Blinkist at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist and lynda.com. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Linda to find out more about that free 10-day trial. And remember, that's Linda with a Y. And finally, I want to say thanks to C.S. Webspun, also Arturo Nava, and James Carl Butler for their five-star ratings and reviews of the podcast, saying things like, I love it, it's the podcast for book lovers, and one of the best. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh, 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 oh,